0: Conversations around those kitchen tables that are both profound as they are ordinary. How do I cross a bridge in a snowstorm? What happened? No, I didn't think about it. You know, you're in a situation, what happens if the bridge collapses and there's a fire on the other side? It's going to take 10 miles longer to get to the fire. People can die. I mean, this is real.
1: This is real stuff.
2: Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives.
1: Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate.
3: A liberal MSNBC hosts warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave.
2: Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin.
0: You and I have a
3: rendezvous with destiny.
4: We'll preserve. Welcome,
3: welcome back. It's the Ruthless Variety Program
4: here with another high energy performance. I mean, this one's going to be a banger. We have so much content. We have yet another example of uh, President Biden not knowing what's going on. It's one of those typical cases <laughs> when you want to cross a bridge and it collapses and there's a fire in the but other side. But there's also a
5: snowstorm. And, yeah. Uh, there's, a snow of, and there's a lot of snow and there's a fire
3: and there's an uh, earthquake.
5: What I love is his um, is that sort of verbal crutch where he loses his train of thought. I'm serious, man. And then he goes, he goes no, uh, think of... Think about it. I'm and serious. Hold I'm on. About it. Hold on. Let me get my mental feet underneath me again, so I can try to make sense. <laughs> yeah.
4: I think it's like uh, he sees his aides, and they're just like you know, it's like cringe. They're like, oh no, it's 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 happening. Uncle again. Joe, here he goes again. Uncle Joe saying crazy things. Yikes! He over sees them. And and he's over. like, uh oh, they they know I'm crazy. I better start talking about something less <laughs> crazy, like a snowstorm where a bridge collapses and there's fire. <laughs> yeah. So
3: two, so two big announcements at the top of the program today. The first is our guest is Senator Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming. Yeah. Um, Very requested. Crypto queen. Yeah, crypto queen. So if you've ever wondered anything about Bitcoin, crypto, how it affects you, should you invest in it, like all that, she explains all of it
4: Nice, in a way that, uh, honestly, I I sort of understood. (laughs) It's incredible. I mean, there's a great interview, walked me through it, and I feel like a hundred times more comfortable understanding it. So now I can talk to my friends and be like, "Oh well, you see, I'm an expert." Yeah, from what I learned in <laughs> yeah. this interview. Well, as as the resident finance guy, you're, that's oh, your job. Sure. Yeah, that's your job.
3: Um, second is we have a sponsor today. It's ClearPath. Have you guys heard of
4: ClearPath before? I think so. Is it with the uh, the energy? The
3: yeah, energy folks, right? So this is this is like a, a super smart um, way of handling energy and environmental concerns. They basically their point is that the Democratic narrative about how you deal with the environment and energy is completely false, right? That, right. It's, that it's entirely about we have the resources to be energy independent. We ought to use it. What you ought to focus on instead of trying to eliminate various tools is to try to innovate and figure out how, how to make things more environmentally friendly. They've done a great job. We have a, a, a great little segment that we'll get into that I think helps explain that from Rich Powell, who runs the joint. And right. I
4: mean, it's uh, pretty timely given that Jen Psaki's like, oh, wow, Republicans are trying to root for prices to go up when, when the Biden administration is like closing pipelines, doing everything they can, because America used to be a net exporter of energy. Dude, yeah. I, I, I tried to fill up
5: gas today. This is not a bit, this is real life. And my, my, my indicator came on as i was coming into work this morning, and I stopped off like before Key Bridge. In Roslyn, Roslyn for our listeners, Roslyn, Virginia, right across the bridge from DC, where where our office is, and I pull into the gas station, and they're taping them up, caution tape. Are you serious? out of gas? <laughs> and it's like, thank you, supply chain crisis, gas crisis in this country. You know, we're talking a lot about energy. I think we should just get right to that interview.
3: All right, I want to welcome to the program um, the executive director of Clear Path. Rich Powell, Rich, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
3: Hey, man. So, listen, um, we're surrounded by nonsense, right? And, and particularly in the area of your expertise, you've got uh, a whole bunch of of democratic narratives out there that you can't be basically environmentally friendly and produce energy at the same time, right? That's like that's basically the sum and substance of of their entire pitch. Um, You've spent a lot of time in this area and and you say that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I think we say energy is good and emissions are bad. And so if we can produce energy cheaply and abundantly and reliably and do it in a clean way, we should do that. And that's all about innovation and that's all about new technology and that's all about leveraging all the amazing stuff we have in the US, our manufacturing prowess, our natural gas, our abundant renewables, our nuclear know-how. Uh, it's all of that that we can use to American competitive advantage.
3: What an amazing concept. you mean we actually use the energy that's available to we us? Do. We do. <laughs> yeah, we
1: just, we use it like crazy, like crazy. We bring manufacturing back to the US Yeah, where we do it cleaner than the rest of the world. We make things here. We employ people it. here. Listen, it's it's I know it's a novel concept. It's a totally crazy concept. It shouldn't
3: blow anybody's minds. But, you know, I mean, look, if you listen to politicians long enough, you'll you'll come to the conclusion that Republicans basically just want you to, to, you know, suck your breakfast out of an exhaust pipe. And (laughs) and and Democrats want you to, you know, basically shut down everything and, and put on a sweater. That part, I think, is true. But from the Republican perspective, look, as long as I've been in politics, Republicans have been in an all of the above situation right and what you're saying is if you want to be environmentally conscious you got to figure out the innovation of the resources you have in order to in order to make progress on that is that is that about right
1: yeah absolutely and you know and conservative policymakers we we have been extremely active on this over the last you know two congresses i mean obviously the narrative is not out there but president trump signed into law you know, to that point, the largest clean energy and climate bill ever passed. In the yeah, you know, I ag- didn't read about that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. That wasn't, yeah, that wasn't headline news, right? Uh, wasn't headline news. I mean, we have made remarkable uh, investments in innovation over the past uh, two congresses, world-leading investments in innovation that have really supercharged the private sector to come to the table with its capital and really invest uh, in this stuff. I mean, these things are hard. Energy innovation is hard, right? It's this is not like a guys in a garage in Silicon Valley doing an app um, or the wonderful world of podcasting, which is kind of light and nimble, right? <laughs> like we're talking about, like we're talking about big steel. We're talking about welders. We're talking about you know really serious heavy duty stuff. We're talking about advanced nuclear reactors, um, and so you know finding ways uh, where we can partner smart government investments with uh the, you know the best private sector innovators is the is the way to take advantage of that and and you know we have made republicans have made uh, remarkable investments in that uh over the over the past four years now, again don't don't get a lot of cre- uh, press don't get a lot of credit uh but nobody but even I think- talks about it nobody even no. talks about it which is amazing
3: no, yeah. to me tell me why so obviously you're a conservative guy who comes to you know market-based solutions pretty naturally but but tell me why, from your experience, the the sort of top down mandates, the you know the the taxing your way through it, the the approach that Democrats have have made towards energy and and, and the environment, why is that just not a, a, a feasible option?
1: You know, look, I I come from the private sector. I've actually never worked in government, and in the private sector, uh, we tend to look at what has worked, right? Like you look at you look at history, you look around the world, you look at what your competitors are doing. What has worked? And if you look at the U.S. and the remarkable global leading reduction in emissions we've had since 2005, that was driven by the shale gas revolution, right? Mm -hmm. So that was driven, that government was involved, government was involved, but in a very different way than a top-down regulation first way, right? So we made serious investments at the Department of Energy back in the 70s and 80s and 90s in things like hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling and... 3D imaging, all that stuff that unlocked this remarkable revolution and how we produced oil and primarily gas in this country. And then we did have tax incentives, right? So there was an alternative production credit. It was a limited credit and it phased down as the technology phased up. So the tax code helped as well with carrots, not sticks. And those things then produced over the last 15 years, again, the world leading absolute reduction Mm -hmm. in emissions, right? We gigatons and gigatons, thats billions of tons, you know, for the non-energy nerds like me. Uh, That's a lot of tons. That's a lot of tons. tons. (laughs) It's a lot of tons. We can all agree. Billions are big, right? Although I don't know today, today billions are small and trillions are big uh, here in DC, unfortunately. Um, But, uh, you know, so we've cut, we've seen the prescription that works and that is what has delivered this world-leading, you know, uh, reduction in emissions. And so our thesis is let's just do more of what has worked. Let's leverage the private sector. Let's let the private sector drive the invention. Let's supply them the tools that are better alternatives that happen to be clean, you know, and we figure that's the way you can actually imagine the world taking this on. Cause I mean, look, we could like, we could, we could regulate ourselves like crazy in the United States but we can't regulate Nigeria and Indonesia and India and all of the developing world that's going to account for the vast majority of future emissions. What we can do is give them a better technology, give them a better mousetrap, right? That That is the genie you can't put back in the bottle, right? Once that's out there and people are using that and it's better and it happens to be clean, that's when you actually see global emissions start to, to, to decrease. And that's when, you know, if if, if you're a climate change person, if you believe in the problem of climate change, you know, the science shows it is a global problem, right? Like the atmosphere doesn't care where the emissions come from. It, the, it responds to all the emissions yeah. everywhere in the world.
3: Seem, it would seem self-evident, but but I'm surprised uh-huh. to find how many people, particularly in this administration, yeah. don't believe that's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Rich, I, I think what you're saying in some is you, you take a historical look, see what's worked, uh, examine that, and holy smokes, Maybe try to promote what has worked in the future. Exactly, that's a—it's exactly. a, a brilliant concept. You've wrapped your mind around. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's really, <laughs> yeah, it's cutting kind of edge. It is cutting kind of edge thinking here. Cutting kind of edge thinking, <laughs> clear path. Yeah, but uh, well, I mean, you know, there's no, there's no reason we can't do the same thing we did for shale gas. There's no reason we can't do that for advanced nuclear reactors. There's no reason we can't do that for zero emission natural gas, like a a zero emission natural gas plant connected to the grid in Texas for the first time the night before last. So net power is up and running. So, so we could use natural gas forever in this country, as long as we get the emissions under control. And that has now been demonstrated It's producing electricity today in Texas. Uh, more of that's gonna be built. We're gonna have amazing advances in battery storage, we're, we're, you know uh, advanced geothermal, all of this stuff. There are all kinds of things that we could be doing that would produce electricity affordably and reliably and with zero emissions or very, very low emissions. Yeah. Uh, there's, no, there's no reason that emitting technologies have to be cheaper and, and more reliable than, than less emitting technologies. We think, we think we can use all these things.
3: Rich, last question for you. You also have a political arm, the Clear Path Action Fund, which has played you know, a pretty significant role in, in elections in, in 2020. Um, what are you looking at for 22? What kind of candidates are you, are you supporting or are going to support?
1: Yeah, it's a a great question. Um, So I think we're coming up on our our fourth cycle now of supporting conservative clean energy champions. Um, And uh, we typically do a pretty broad uh, cross-section of folks um, uh, across the country. We just announced that we went live for uh, Lisa Murkowski up in Alaska. She's um, was largely responsible for that energy act of 2020 and has been just a, a real leader on these issues and on the clean innovation on I mean, the energy is good. Emissions are bad, front. uh, you know, obviously being from Alaska pretty heavily energy producing state. Um, so we'll probably do, um, a few more, uh, senators after that. And then probably, you know, around about a dozen, um, house members, uh, as well. And, uh, yeah. And we just, you know, we, we run all positive and we highlight folks remarkable clean energy, um, records because folks have real, real policy to run on now. And so That's we're, great. We're, pretty, That's we're great. pretty excited about this cycle. Very, very excited about this cycle.
3: Well, we're all pretty excited about it, Rich. It feels like yeah. the, the tide's coming in for us. But I want to thank you for for what you're doing at ClearPath. Thank you for joining us today and, and stay in touch.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for everything thank you, you're
3: doing. Well, that was a great interview. I, look. Energy is going to be a huge deal. Well, we're not very far removed from this being a huge crisis in the Northeast, where everybody went and hoarded. Remember the people <laughs> filling up like yeah. bathtubs full of gasoline? I mean, good lord, this is America, right? I mean, if anything, we got gas.
5: Let's figure it out.
3: Let's figure it out. Anyway, Clearpath is on the on the on the path on that one, um, fellas. Let's get right into it. There is a headline that caught my eye. Okay. It is about liberal dark money, which I know Smug gets very worked up
4: about. Yep, it does. It's it's one of my triggers.
3: So the 1630 fund... That's right. ...had sent uh, more than $400 million in 2020 to aid Democrats in an effort to unseat President Trump in a Republican Senate majority.
4: I think this is... uh, It's important for every American to realize, number one, what hypocrites... Democrats are on this subject, especially Sheldon Whitehouse, who I mean, this guy's beyond words. What a hypocrite he is. He'll go on the Senate. And he'll be like, oh, my gosh, we have dark money in our politics. But he never once says anything about a liberal dark money group spending four hundred million dollars. That's an insane amount of money, insane amount of money and and influencing our elections. I was told this could be considered, you know what, uh, election interference. They've got liberal dark money donors like uh Borg Swiss. Uh, oh, a person in Switzerland. This is, this, huh? is a, this is a foreign national. A Swiss is, billionaire. Swiss the billionaire. richest
5: person in Switzerland. A billionaire. And they they have almost half a billion dollars in dark money in the United States influencing elections. And they're going to be like, oh, you know what? Donald Trump he got elected because of the $100,000 that the Russians spent on Facebook. Bingo. And they're going to have you say that we have to change...
3: <laughs> I knew it was coming. Like, Can you sing this, please, Duncan? Edelweiss,
4: Edelweiss for uh, Hans Borg. There it
0: is. Small and white, and
1: white,
5: clear
1: and
0: bright. <laughs> you
4: look happy to me. I don't know the rest there of the get. words. So, so we've <laughs> nice had Swiss, Swiss donor yeah. Hans quote, Edel vice yeah <laughs> uh who gives tens hundreds of millions of dollars to left-wing dark money groups and these left-wing dark money groups like the 1630 fund arabella advisors spend it on on influencing elections that is a direct link between you know foreign influence in our elections and you will never hear Sheldon Whitehouse. Well, we certainly discuss it.
5: we certainly won't have a 3-year Russiagate investigation no. into this nope. Swiss billionaire, will no. we? No. No, and, it's and, just, just this is normal stuff. This
3: is just democracy. Well, Senator Sheldon uh what is it? White Club, White, white club, club who belongs yeah. to White Clubs. White, clubs. White, white only clubs. Yeah, White only club is uh as you know, made it his entire tenure to
4: focus on this yeah he's so insane he's the guy who you might recall from uh the supreme court hearings uh for kavanaugh who thought uh boof a term for flatulence might mean some like conspiracy against humanity he was like what is the meaning of
5: boof yeah 16 year olds writing about farting yeah Yeah, well he thought what he was focused on he
4: he insinuated rape yeah out of it right right so so you have people like sheldon whitehouse on the left being like oh my gosh dark money when liberal dark money is by magnitudes by magnitudes greater than anything the right spends on it and and another example is these are lawless folks so there was a great article in the daily caller calling out arabella advisors which is a left-wing dark money organization they had uh, uh americans for public trust had their executive director visit arabella advisors office and by law one of these nonprofit groups, like if you're to go to like any any nonprofit group, you can say, Hey, I want your I want your federal tax returns and they have to be able to provide it when asked. So what did this liberal dark money group do? Well, they called security and had them taken out of the Which office. Which is I mean, it, it, like look,
3: anybody who's run a non profit knows that you if you come to ask for the nine nineties,
4: you have to handle it. You them have to provide open. them. It's required by law. It's required but these guys get security called. Yeah. yeah. And and You know, this is also, this is the group that was mentioned, uh, the Dark Money group we discussed a couple weeks ago. Yeah, when we
5: ruffled a lot of feathers and then Politico Magazine did a hit piece on us. Bingo. This (laughs) is is what we were sounding the alarm on. Lo and behold, now Politico's writing about it. So, I mean, hats off to them. Apparently the people at at Politico Mag didn't get the...
4: Yeah, get so, the memo. So, but- so, so when Politico magazine wrote their like fluff piece on Arabella, right, and uh, the fake news outfits, yeah, that they Tara hung, McGowan, all of that, they're like, oh, you know, these are. These are charitable organizations. They follow the letter of the law. And
5: they're trying to fight disinformation, is what these people claim. The people spending half a billion dollars to influence American elections for liberal causes. (laughs) They're the good people. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: The Swiss
5: billionaire. He's the good guy in their minds. You know,
4: a Swiss billionaire sending money to America is a champion for our democracy. That makes (laughs) sense to me. You'll be happy
3: to know, fellas, that almost every reporter for Politico hate listens. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've all been assured multiple occasions by literally dozens of the reporters that the magazine's different.
5: The magazine, it's a separate entity, it's really. It's a separate entity.
3: They don't actually... The affiliate. teams are siloed. Yeah, yeah, they don't, it's like the... The old the old thing with the editorial page.
4: I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, a couple of weeks ago, you have political magazine write like, "Oh, Arabella investors they or Arabella Advisors they follow the letter of the law. They're a legal group." And then someone goes over asking for their nine nineties. They break the law. They're like, "No, call security, get them out of here." <laughs> and now you have actual Politico being like, "Hey, this is this is kind of weird." But the Daily Caller is the one who had the story. Yeah, credit to them. And folks, you, all you need to take away from this is. You should be very concerned about left-wing dark money groups spending tons of money. We're talking four hundred million dollars while they've got their puppet senator Sheldon Whitehouse covering for them. This is an outrage. I'm glad the news is out there. Every American should be aware of this. Totally. We planned on doing another Kamala segment, but frankly, we're bored. Yeah,
5: and she's a boring person. She's never going to be president unless Joe Biden steps aside. She has no charisma. She has no no abil- No emotional IQ. No. I mean, she can't tell a joke. She's never going to be president, so why <laughs> talk about her?
4: That, All she can do is try to laugh, so.
3: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to blow right through Yeah, we're done with there's her. There's tons of, there's, listen, there's tons of press that are this, picking up on what the program was talking about six months ago. But, right. But, you know, read it and enjoy.
5: You're right. By the time they're talking about
3: it, we're going to be done talking about it. We're on
5: to the next thing you got to focus on.
3: Read it and enjoy. So, so the thing that we've plugged in here. That it's been a little bit of a constant. We're gonna we're not gonna be a, just a a China focused program by mm-hmm. any stretch. But I like to see this sort of uh, uh, smug approach to these segments. I feel like it just gets
4: a little wind in his sail. It does. You know this this is also another topic that really gets me rolling. Is for years we were told by the media, oh my goodness. Donald Trump works for the KGB. He works for Putin. Yeah. They don't have anything to say about... We we had mentioned that Russia uh, had a test where they fired a rocket that blew up a satellite. All right? Uh, And we told you the previous week about there's a Chinese satellite that the Chinese Communist Party has put up there that has these, like, arms on it that just grabs and crushes satellites. An example, if we were in a conflict, they would have that satellite fly around and crush our GPS satellites. Yeah, so just so you know... It's more than just, like, a satellite floating around, right? I mean, if you got your television on, that sucker's down. Yeah, right. So, like, (laughs) if they were to, you know, try their own shock and awe on the U.S., you know, they got these satellites out there just crushing all the satellites that bring you your news. We must protect—whatever
5: satellite is keeping the variety program on the air, we got to protect that
4: thing. I
3: think that needs a full Star Wars— (laughs) Event <laughs> that's right. There should be. We should have a line item in the next defense authorization.
4: <laughs> you know, it's almost like you, it, we should prioritize some sort of a, a force in space. Yeah, you some know, sort of space, a space force? force. I think that's a, a good offense. idea. Should we call it a space force? And, and, and the thing is, is that you know, especially I love the pr- looking at this situation in the prism of imagine if Trump were president, and on the heels of giving Putin a pipeline, the same way that Biden gave him Nord Stream. Russia went and tested space weapons shooting satellites out of the sky. Like, CNN would have 24-hour coverage. They'd be reporters totally. outside the White House being like, oh, my gosh, this is another example of the KGB calling the shots. Russia gets a pipeline, can shoot satellites out of space. But right now, crickets. Crickets. I mean,
3: look, we've covered this a lot. And, and the bottom line is this administration is absolutely not plugged in mm-hmm. to the next generation of warfare, Right. They're still kind of focused on submarines and troop and boots on the ground.
4: Yeah, they're they're very much focused on withdrawing from Afghanistan with people falling off of planes. That's <laughs> right, that's, that's the extent of their experience in the situation. But
3: I but I will say, you know, I don't know if Apple launches these satellites in concert or, or not, but as the number one uh, variety program, that's yes. right. They should put a, a, a sticker, ruthless sticker, on the next one up so China knows not to fuck with them. I think so.
4: I mean, honestly, that's probably the first one China's going after. <laughs> Wait a
2: minute. This is the only group
4: covering this info. Go for that one first. <laughs> oh, fellas. Okay, so um,
3: another thing that caught my eye. We've talked a lot about uh, the FBI and their efforts against parents. Yep. Right. And we that wonderful, memorable program two weeks ago where we talked about the, the Senate hearing where Cruz and Cotton... Just and-
5: alley-oop dunks, slam dunks. Yeah. Every single one of them came there with fire. I absolutely loved it.
3: Yeah. So, but now we have from GOP members of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, they're saying that a whistleblower discloses explosive documents showing the FBI using counterterrorism tools to
4: investigate parents. It's it's what everyone was saying. Uh, Dems were telling us, "Oh, this is all made up. This is just like you know, some some more fake news to help Glenn Youngkin." Turns out, it was all true. And even the Wall Street the Wall Street Journal is covering this.
3: Yes, yeah, so the Wall Street Journal says the Federal Bureau of Investigation has set up a process to track threats against the school board members and teachers, moving to implement Justice Department directives that some law enforcement officials and Republican lawmakers say could improperly target parent could.
4: Yeah, is that's is. the purpose.
3: Is. That's the purpose. Is is I'll I'll change. I'll be the editor on that. Right on that. It is. It is endangering parents. Um, anyway, I mean the bottom line is is that we now know, thanks to the House Republican Judiciary Committee, that not only is this not sort of fake news as they have as they have dubbed it, but it's real and and documents exist that they've been doing it all along.
4: Yeah, and and I love how. Merrick, peace upon, uh, peace upon him, Garland, uh, on a, in an October 4th memo, ordered the FBI to help local leaders address threats to school personnel, which definitely is a parent showing up to a meeting. You know, When I think of terrorism, I'm not thinking of September 11th. I'm thinking about you know a parent with a minivan showing up uh, to school meeting. 100% a threat. I, the I, time I would just
5: meeting. like to know if, if that father who showed up in Virginia at a school board meeting because his daughter had been raped in a bathroom. If he's on a, a watch list now tagged by the FBI,
4: that should, that, that should be let's, an investigation.
5: Let's figure that out.
3: I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. And, you know, look, he did, I think one media hit, he was going to come on the variety program. Yeah. He did one media hit previous to that. and, I'm told, I don't know if this is, I can confirm this or not, but I'm told that, like, they got enough blowback internally in their community where they, he couldn't speak out. That's right. Awful.
5: And that's that's the most dangerous thing in all of this. Because, you know, we, we, we talk a lot here at a high level of what's happening in Washington and in the institutions that control power in our country but when you have citizens who are trying to do the right thing, who are literally scared to speak out because of stuff like this, it has a chilling effect in our democracy. All these left-wing lunatics who get on cable news and talk about how you know, democracy is being eroded because of you know Donald Trump, this is the real erosion of democracy. Absolutely it when is. When you've got the intelligence services of this country intimidating parents for showing
3: up at school board meetings... I mean these people are the enemy when they do it's shit horrific. like this it's horrific 100 okay, but, it, so. but it but it goes even further and i want to bring john in on this because he's got a report i think by the new york times about uh biden's plans to basically screw over religious child care facilities yeah
0: yeah we're talking about biden's war on parents let's talk about another front in that war i mean do you guys remember when obama promised people if they liked their health care they could keep it oh yeah, yeah right well here's biden's moment he promised families if they liked their child care, they could keep it. But this Build Back Better plan, which some have dubbed the Build Back Beijing plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I've heard other acronyms. Too, yeah, I've heard some too. Yeah.
0: He's trying to take that away. So if you happen to live in a middle class household where both parents work and you happen to drop your kids off at a religious based child care place, like Catholic, Muslim, Jewish, regardless of faith, they're requiring those facilities to comply with some woke bureaucratic standard that none of these schools can keep up with.
3: What? So what do you mean by that?
0: So they, every single one of these schools, if they want to be federally recognized, they have to comply with a federal mandate on what exactly they think those schools should do, who they should hire, what they should teach. So they're discriminating against religious institutions. So, I mean, if you're Jewish day school doesn't employ the requisite number of woke employees you're out. You're kidding me. No I mean the Desiree News described it this way so they say the Democrats current plan could easily sideline one particular type of child care the faith-based community-grounded organizations that millions of family families across America appreciate and rely on for care and went on to say that the plan explicitly discriminates against them, recognizing the need uh, to increase supply of child care market. The Build Back uh, Better plan would provide funding for child care providers to improve, expand, or retrofit their facility uh, to serve more kids. Unless, of course, that facility is, in the words of President Joe Biden's plan, used primarily for sectarian instruction or religious worship. Wow. So. Sectarian
5: sectarian. Holy shit. That's what they're calling it.
4: So this is this is this reminds me so much of how like Obamacare was trying to force nuns, yep, to pay for contraceptive.
3: Yeah, they they straight up they wanted churches to pay employees that that with an abortion plan. Right. I mean, so, come on, man. Right.
5: And then there was the Hobby Lobby case that went all the way to the Supreme Court and we recognized religious liberty in this country well it is i tur- thought it was important
3: as it turns out i thought it was like
5: one of the reasons why the united states of america was created in the fucking first place
3: it's it's
4: like in the, the pilgrims and thanksgiving right. coming over for religious freedom it's, I, it's I remember in, that it's in
3: the amendments there right at the top <laughs>
4: it's in the amendments
3: yeah. right at the top kind of thought that was important
0: <laughs> so i mean at the at the baseline they're basic they're, they're limiting parent options and um i mean we just had an election of virginia about parents rights and Republicans won and Democrats clearly did not learn their lesson.
3: I mean it goes so far beyond look, I don't care if you're if you're liberal, you're conservative, everybody wants to figure out the best child care for their for their kids, right? Some people the best and only option are these religious institutions. Taking that away because of a woke agenda is monstrous.
5: Right. I mean, because like look, at the end of the day, um, these Democrat politicians in this Biden administration are basically um, the muscle for a education cartel. That's what it is. It's a public education cartel that doesn't want to give parents any say. We've seen this. We saw, Terry McAuliffe said it in Virginia, that parents shouldn't be you know, messing with their school board. He said what they all believe. What they all actually... He said the quiet part loud. They're, what they all believe. And, and our only power... Against this cartel is choice. That's is school right. School choice. It's going it's it's Catholic institutions, Jewish, Muslim and any sort of religious institution that can that we can take our kids out of these schools and and vote with our dollars and say, you know what? No. right they want it
0: they want to take it away of
5: course they want to take it away because that's the only way you run a a successful protection racket yep which is what this is
0: and if on your way to work the most convenient place happens to be a religious institution where you can drop your kids off and then you're going to your job like oh sorry can't do that anymore oh man
3: that's i'm glad you flagged that for us um we've talked a lot about products that are being hard it's hard to get right supply chain issues whatever yeah this one's sort of alarming. Baby formula. Baby formula. Yeah, so this is this is from a CBS station in Baltimore. Stores are having trouble quickly restocking baby formula onto shelves as serious supply chain problems persist across the globe. Drugstore chain Walgreens, which operates 9,000 locations across the United States, said demand for infant formula is increasing nationwide at the same time that suppliers are struggling to meet their needs. Jeez,
4: I mean, we are look, really like at Venezuela levels. It's it, it's getting to that point. Like, oh wow, you can't get groceries, you can't get baby formula. This yeah, is insane.
3: Totally, I will say, I will say, you know, I mean, you've got the 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 lactation right. option, right? Many mothers cannot, right? This is an essential piece of that, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, breastfeeding or formula, like a baby got has to get fed one way or the other. Totally, and there is definitely a time where like. You know, mothers will, will move from breastfeeding to formula. And so, like, having a supply chain issue here ain't easy.
3: No, it's not easy. And there are some moms who produce a ton. A ton. And there are some moms that don't produce any. And it, it, it there's no shame in either.
4: Well, right. I'm right? always reminded of uh, that Chappelle show. I mean this is almost tangential. There's a Chappelle show where he was diddy and he was like I only drink the finest like burmese breast milk. When he was <laughs> like diddy. That's all I can think about. Yes, I
3: remember that. Yeah. I have a I have a buddy who drank breast milk. Really?
4: Well, I mean, as a child, I think many No, no, no. Oh, no. We all did.
3: no, no, as a as a <laughs> as a father. As yeah. an adult. As an adult. Jesus. Christ. As an adult. Hans. My buddy, you've heard me talk about Hans before. Hans is great. Yeah, we we've talked I've a lot about I met Hans. So Hans is the, the author of the sports drink. Oh yeah, the white claws. Yeah. He calls white claws sports drinks. Yeah, he thinks they're indistinguishable from Gatorade. Right. Right? So this guy's ironclad. Yeah. <laughs> but at some point so good. At some point Hans was dared to drink a shot of of oh breast milk. My God. And and he did it. Um he said he regretted it. Yeah, I mean
4: <laughs> horrific
3: said he regretted it it just i mean it's full of nutrients I,
4: I mean, it, <laughs> you know
5: you got antibodies in there but it's
3: not designed for adult adults but it seems to me like you yeah, know
0: that's what biden wants but <laughs> like that like the girls in our system moms in our society aren't asked to do enough yeah. We've got inflation coming out of our ears. Afghanistan's falling apart. And Biden's like, oh, I'm sorry, moms. What you're going to need to do is provide breast milk for the mashed potatoes this
3: Thanksgiving. <laughs> my God. <laughs> my God. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, oh, it's hard for me to recover from
5: that. I didn't see. I didn't see this devolving into a breast milk conversation, but <laughs> here we are.
3: Duncan, would you take a shot of breast milk?
0: Hmm, what if Biden Biden personally asked you from the podium, your nation needs you, inflation is high, put on a sweater and drink breast milk.
5: Wow. Um, (laughs) You know, no, no, I don't think I would. I don't think so. It's a no? I I mean, you know, I mean, for enough money.
3: What about like a white Russian? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my
5: God. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a no?
3: I mean, how much money? We can make it happen on the variety program. Oh
4: my god! I see. I, I, I'm the one who always has the sensibilities that get offended. I'm just like stunned and disgusted.
5: <laughs> well, look, dude, I'm smug. When once you have kids, you, your your tolerance for this sort of talk it, go, it goes up.
4: I let the I let the mother and the nanny work. There, no <laughs> there is no
3: shame.
5: There is no shame. It's beautiful. It's part of life.
4: It is.
3: It's. It's. I can't tell you how much breast milk i've been around over the last five years
5: right i mean look i mean one of my key key reasons for continuing to do this podcast because our audience is 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 pretty young you know we're, we're very popular with the 18 to, to 35 audience is like to get these youngsters the you know these libertarian youngsters to adopt a traditional lifestyle get married and become real conservatives honestly, that's, that's, like that's honestly goal. Like, that's a good goal. that's a good goal it's like this you know me talking the variety program is really just a psyop to get these libertarians to be conservatives. yeah
3: listen fellas we're not going to look at your internet history i promise <laughs> Yeah, libertarians just give well, it up we don't care what you're looking just at on be the internet just be conservative vote the right way okay? but you,
0: you guys are joking i mean in biden's america we may have no choice <laughs> <laughs> We might, be, we might be six months away from this. Is this is all we
4: have? Speaking of folks warning about the consequences of the Biden regime, of all folks, Obama people. I mean, this stunned me. So, in the New York Times, you have Obama economic advisors coming out against the Biden economic oh, decision making. First Summers, now Ratner. New York Times, and this headline was awesome. "Quote: I warned the Democrats about inflation."
3: Yeah, but, but here's the thing. This is the thing that's so confounding to me about this is that like everybody acts as though you have to be a sophisticated economist to make the presumption that flooding the country with free cash devalues the dollar. Right. Who like have thought? I, I, I just, this is where I I'm so frustrated with us as a, as a nation. And I think honestly we have some of this in the conservative side as well. But what, the yeah, two two
5: thousand dollar checks. Remember that was the thing. We got to get two thousand dollar checks in. That's how we're gonna win Georgia. It's like you see all this inflation now. Where the hell do you think that came from? Right.
3: Well, I mean, maybe it was all the fucking checks. But I, but but I don't I just what I don't fundamentally understand is why it is that we're having a conversation as though that there is a debate involved. It's as not. though there's two sides. It's like, very common sense. Oh, I've got an idea. I'm gonna put six trillion new dollars. I'm going to print six trillion new dollars, flood it into the economy, and I'm going to expect the economy to to restart. Right, and I'm going to expect those dollars to be worth the same as they were before. Right. I put six trillion new dollars in there. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? I just don't like. I, I, why are, is anybody dumb enough to entertain the debate?
0: You know, I heard a stat the other day that one of every five dollars. In circulation right now was printed within the last two years. Yeah. One of every five dollars. Yeah, Brand
5: go in. to the go to the Fred, the economic data in the chart. And I'll you know, obviously anybody course, listening to this can't see it. Of course the old wow.
4: man's we got, got We've we got a casual Fred Fred website. Look though.
3: look at that chart. Yeah, so what he's what he's what he's showing us here on the variety program is this spike. Right. That is of money supply. Basically straight up in terms of how much money supply is in this country. Yes. It's like Venezuela. It's that's not a hockey stick, that's almost a boomerang,
4: it's yeah. so straight up. Yeah.
3: Right. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean look. Uh meanwhile, Gensaki. Yeah.
4: yeah, of course.
3: So Gensaki says that in order to fight inflation we're gonna to have to spend another two trillion. Hey,
5: that <laughs> it's, just, it's just like bag she's like Baghdad Bob in there now. I, I remember when she came in and everyone was like, Wow, truth is coming back to the podium. You know, and now she's spent this time since then saying, you know, actually it was Republicans who wanted to fund the police. Remember that bullshit? Oh my god.
3: They, they, remember, they remember that. Really tried
5: that. And they really and, tried now, that. and now they're saying, you know. What? You know what, this inflation it's actually going to be the republicans fault for not voting for trillions more in spending
4: it's <laughs> insane so so you know I think at this point she's kind of like the punching bag over there. When they have something that's just incredibly embarrassing to say publicly, they're like, "Oh man, just have Saki go say it." Like uh, <laughs> the tweet, the nine PM, yeah, tweet. yeah the Kamala, yeah. They the Kamala her out role to be like, yeah. actually, everyone's uh, everyone likes Kamala over here. <laughs> I- uh, but but they trotted her out, and she t- sends a sweet question: Why, when Americans are seeing higher prices, are Republicans united against a bill to lower core costs on prescription drugs, health care, child care, and elder care? The trillions of dollars spending is essentially answer they're rooting for inflation yes absolutely uh the, you got to blame when when republicans or when democrats control the house the senate the white house hey you know this is all the fault of the republicans 100 percent. first they say wait inflation's no inflation. not happening it's not happening right then they're like uh actually inflation is good now they're at the step it's like when you're having to come to terms right with the, it's with the, the, the seven disaster. stages of grief that's it they're right. like now it's the stage where uh just blame, blame. right right it's incredible can we have
0: can I peel back the curtain on her for just a minute? Sure. Oh, I'd love to. So when she was working for Obama, so she worked for Obama for a while, uh, and I was a press secretary on the Senate side, and I remember when she was a deputy over there, and you know a lot of reporters really liked her because she was the person when all of the top guys on TV for Obama were lying to everybody, she would go behind and like tell people, oh, here are the facts. Here's actually the truth. This is what's actually going on. So she actually she built great relationships with people yep. because she built credibility telling people the truth. And now she is working for Joe mm. Biden, and she's wow. cash, cashing in on that credibility.
3: Mm. Mm. Do we have audio for her, by the way?
1: On the state of America right now, inflation obviously at a 31-year high right now. Americans are seeing their dollars, their paychecks uh, stretched right now. Why should Americans not be concerned that injecting another $1.75 trillion or more would further raise inflation?
4: Because no economist out there is projecting that this will have a negative impact on inflation. Uh, and actually, what it will help do was it will help cr- increase economic productivity. It's, uh, it will help uh, economic growth in this country. Uh, that and the Build Back Better agenda will help reduce inflation, will help cut costs for the American people over the long term. You got to love that she says, no, economists have said this. Straight up, There's Ratner, no Ratner in the New York Times is like, uh, this is inflationary. Summers has come out and said this is inflationary. They have gone and, and they're trying to bully... The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, into saying that actually it pays for itself, which is an absolute lie. They're trying to bully the CBO into saying this, and they trot out. They're like, hey, we had a ratings agency that said that this won't be inflationary. That ratings agency is is, is Moody's, and they were the same crew— That were saying triple triple A bond ratings on on distressed assets. In in, in 2008, it was Moody's who was like, you know what? These these mortgage backed securities are actually pretty great. They're fine. Um, They speaking of fines, they had to pay like hundreds of Moody's did had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars, eight hundred and sixty four million dollars as a penalty for telling investors that those mortgage-backed securities in 2008 were, were were good to go, so so folks who helped wreck the economy, right, the Moody's, people giving a triple proof this tri- new bill from Joe Biden, so like, hey, listen, guys, we wrecked the economy before, and we think this bill is kind of good to go. <laughs> we think for it's for that's go. a seal of approval for our for
5: our younger listeners here who maybe don't remember that financial crisis. What Moody's was doing was taking these mortgage-backed securities that were like at best like B double B ratings, full of dog shit loans that had no no um no been h- collateralized in right no no players. income verification no job you know terrible ninja loans <laughs> and and saying that they were triple A rated bonds and those things failed and it wrecked the entire American economy. And those people are going to tell you now that this Biden plan is good for the American economy. Yep. Run for the fucking hills. Yep. Yeah, it costs zero
4: dollars. It costs zero dollars. And that's the, it's like you know, the importance of Moody's rating those those awful like ninja loans that they securitize, they slice and dice these terrible loans. When they slap a triple A rating on it the the impact of that is there's lots of these like pension funds right? yeah, that are only it. allowed to invest in AAA securities so you've got these like retirement funds that right. are like oh Well that Moody was the problem with the 08 crisis right Right and so now the same group that's telling grandparents in 2008 that it was okay to invest in these and put your grandparents, that bankrupt bankrupt people b- bankrupt people are now like you know what actually build back better sounds like a good idea What a bunch <sighs> run, of assholes It's incredible run.
3: It's incredible. All right, let's lighten it up for a sec, um, fellas. I have I I'm I i, I do not know how you all prepare your turkeys. I don't know if you all are involved in the preparation of your turkeys. I, I, I am I am very involved. I'm intimately. It's not. my
5: my favorite part.
3: Yeah yeah. So my wife and I were staying home this this year because we have two little kids and it's impossible to travel with everything. So I've thought a lot about this and, okay. and I've got it. I've got a green egg and I'm gonna I'm gonna green egg this. Summer. You're gonna smoke okay. it. I'm gonna smoke this thing. Wow. And I but, I, but I've done research. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm I am coming in prepared. Okay. Are you going to spatch
5: cock the turkey? <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: <my
4: goodness. laughs> um, what the hell does that well, I mean? Well, you, you, you cut sort it. of
5: you cut it and you flatten it out. It cooks faster that way. Yeah. You, you it, probably don't want to do it with a turkey, though.
3: I'd love. I would love to hear Smug's explanation without that of yeah. what a spatchcock.
4: See, 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 I haven't hit girl dad status yet. And, and I, I know. You know. When we went over to Holmes' place. He's got the whole grill dad set up. You got the kids. Oh yeah, like right. Playground. You're grilling. Great setup. So I'm not familiar with, like, you know, grill dad terminology as much as I'd like. Yeah,
3: spatchcock is a real, uh, that's a deep dive right there. But I'm not spatchcocking. Uh,
5: we okay. should have David, We. I just want to say this, we should have David Seawright right? on. The king as, of grill dadding. Yeah, the, the king of Costco grill dadding. Costco grill dad. Hit him Follow, on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. He should, Instagram. Do,
4: a, he should do some kind of, a, like, a holiday. Because, honestly, if I had to make a turkey, I'd be like, see, Right. I'd hit up, at, you know, he'll probably have a tutorial on his Instagram, Costco grill dad. Of where he, where he teaches you how to make. Yeah, the, I'm sure. The, tur- the man's Perfectly. great. His yeah. content's great. A true artist of An real artist. dating. Yeah,
3: you should check that out. Yeah. But anyway, so there's a lot of concern now because mm. deep frying turkeys, which is wonderful. Yes. yes. Oh, man, it's so good. And I know, Smash, you've done.
0: Yeah, well, I did it with my neighbor a couple of years ago. Yeah. I and mean, it turned out it was the most delicious turkey I've ever had. But
3: apparently people are very concerned, especially local fire departments. They should be about people improperly deep frying these things.
0: I mean, we had it on a deep fryer in his driveway, and the wind was whipping around. And oh, I mean, geez. to be honest with you, we were terrified that it was going to spill over and start his house on fire. We, <laughs> we, we were sitting out there with gloves. We were shaking. We had a couple of pops. But we, uh, I mean, I, we thought the whole thing was going to go up in flames. Yeah, well. It for, was It was incredible, though.
3: For, for, for good reason, apparently, because the, there is a lot of people who light uh, themselves, and uh, all around them on fire. I mean, <laughs> I mean a good like a lot of people. Apparently. I've seen the videos, okay?
5: I've seen the firefighter videos trying to scare you into not deep frying your turkey. And look, I get it. If you if you do not understand volume distribution of liquids, <laughs> this is so good. If you don't understand that you don't fill up the entire thing with oil to the brim, and then try to stick a turkey in it. Don't deep fry a turkey. Like you're an idiot. Okay? And the and when the fire department does those videos, and I mean, God bless them. Yes, do not burn down your neighborhood or your house if you don't know what you're doing. But it's pretty easy to know how volume distribution works and liquids and have the appropriate amount of oil in there to deep fry. That's all I'm saying. I think it's sort of this orchestrated fake news campaign. I got to be honest.
3: Well, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Here's my plea to the listeners, and we'll we'll move on. I think we all have have to have a look at how people are preparing their turkeys. Yes. Why don't you tag the ruthless program? Yeah,
4: I want to see that. I I mean, I love I love Grill Dad videos. Food I'm porn a huge is the best fan of it. It's good huge stuff. Fan of it. Yeah,
3: yeah. So so tag us. Let's let's see what you're doing. I want to hear a little bit about the preparation. And
5: don't deep fry unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, don't burn your
0: house down. Please don't, because I, what I think Holmes is, is uh, assuring everybody here is that he's going to take pictures of his smoked turkey, and he's going to share them with the
3: audience. Oh, 100%. I'll do that. I'll do that. I may even provide some vids.
4: Honestly, what you should idea. provide is to the office. Bring in bring in those leftovers. I'm oh, all yeah. about the leftovers. You know, we should have a head-to-head Duncan versus Holmes, who's got the better turkey.
3: Oh, we should work on that. Are you, are you doing your own? Yes. Ashford, At home? Ashbrook.
4: You, yeah, but I mean, turkey? I'm going
5: to do oven. I'm a traditional guy. Yeah. Traditional guy. I haven't decided whether to tent or not. This is a thing that is, um, you know, traditionalists don't tent. <clears throat> but in tenting the bird.
4: <laughs> I mean, I tent when I see good turkey.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: by by tent- Lord knows you can't.
3: Sometimes you can't help bitch at a tent.
5: <laughs> but when you cook a turkey, some people will put foil over the top, right? You kind of keep in the moisture. and Uh-huh. For the turkey, traditionalists don't approve of a tent. Um, so, what are you just
3: basting for five hours? You are basting.
5: You are basting. Wow. He yeah. seems like a he seems like an avid baster.
4: Yeah. I mean, oh, Everyone come knows Duncan's the baste guy. Around <laughs> He's the here. baster guy. A
5: master of the craft.
3: <laughs> master baster. Oh, <laughs>
4: I knew it was coming.
3: <laughs> I knew it was coming. All right, guys, let's just play a game. Okay. Let's get on this. We're let's I, do. Here's the signature. King of the Hill. Let's go. Um,
5: so you have Sherry, the reigning champion,
4: Sherry Jacobus. She
5: she may be the new Mike Tyson of this game. Really? I mean, I mean, we talked about Iron Mike, um, on the last episode.
3: She may be that. Who do you bring to the table, Holmes? I got to go with the queen. I got to go with the queen. Here's the thing. I looked around a lot. Cause I want to introduce new talent, but for as a reminder to the listeners, cause the people have been providing a lot of input. I can only use people who previously identified as Republican. Right. Right. So the crazy stuff that you get on left wing libs unaccessible. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. I got to have somebody, the only person in this situation who I feel like can out crazy the crazy is, is Ruben. This is like iron Mike against Lennox Lewis. I mean this
5: is a serious It's a it's a showdown. This is a heavyweight championship bout we're about to see. I think we should go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: your attention please. Welcome back to the most anticipated bout king of the hill history. In the red corner, fighting out of the Washington Post, our queen, returning for a chance to reclaim her crown, Jennifer Brainworms, Ruben. And in the blue corner, fighting out of her own Twitter account, Our champion,
4: Kami Jerry Jacobus! Okay, so for for new listeners, I want to get into King of the Hill. Basically, me and Holmes go back and forth. Each of us have three tweets from essentially kind of like a never-Trump, you know,
5: Republican. tune. Yeah. Yeah, people who were previous Republicans who've lost their minds because of Donald Trump. And now they spend all day on Twitter talking about how you have to elect Democrats. This game, King of the Hill pits their tweets for Smug, his champion here, against the challenger who Holmes has selected, Jennifer Rubin.
4: Yep. So we have a week of their tweets to go through. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I think, you know, Ms. Jacobus is very special. She's a Renaissance woman of brainworms. And one of the ways I want to display that is, you know, if you really want to intimidate an opponent, you fight on their own territory. So you've got Jen Rubin, who's, you know, if you think about Jen Rubin, you're imagining brain worms, you're imagining cats going crazy, <laughs> um, you know, the typical situation. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fight on the Rubin territory to open this. Open wow. This up. So
5: round one, here we go.
4: 11:35 a.m.
5: November 15th.
4: Sherry, quote, retweeting herself.
5: She, she, quote, retweets. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. We have a misuse oh, of the internet to
4: begin fuck. with. This is like a sandwich of disasters.
5: You are playing to the judge and
4: jury. Oh here. yeah. Oh yeah. So she quote retweets herself. The initial tweet was today. I set up the winter shelter for the feral cat colony, right? <laughs> but it gets better, man. I mean, that's a cake right there, but here's the icing. It's, and she says, igloo quote, not great idea. And a few styrofoam coolers filled with straw. Try to make a plastic door or, quote, doorway and shield it from the elements. Paint with deck paint. Hide in the brush. Try to elevate it a few inches on something. Keep it a distance from feeding station because predators. This is is a very extensive, like, feral cat expert. (laughs) Like, that is serious. (laughs) There's a reason she's dropping wild takes 24-7, man. What I love about it.
5: Madness. What I love about it is that she needed to get more eyeballs oh, yeah. on this content. That's how critical she thought it was. Yeah. It wasn't a reply. She didn't reply to nope. herself. She did the quote tweet cuz she's
4: like my followers need to see yeah. this again. Yep, they got to go right back to it. It's a, it's a misuse. It's fighting on Ruben's own territory. Renaissance. One. That's that
5: you know. That's an aggressive play for round one. I appreciate it, and it's not like most of her other content. Yep. So you're you're taking a little bit of a risk there.
4: Yeah, I mean, I really want to just show the audience and the judge and jury the palette. Like she brings out so many different avenues of brainworm. It's it's incredible.
3: Okay, so I'm trying to figure out. I, what I did is pull about six different tweets in each genre because I'm trying to match up. But, right. but what he's what he's given me to work with here, I think I've got a lane. Okay. I think I've got a lane. Um, it's going to be more conventional in that she's talking about politics. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's the th- the
5: interesting about thing. Uh, rex If you don't follow T-Rex on Twitter and you listen to this. You should follow him because he breaks down the analytics of this game, King of the Hill. And what Holmes is struggling with right now, I think, is: Do you play in genre with what Spug just played, or do you go into something else, into politics, hoping that you'll differentiate yourself a little bit?
3: So, here's what I love about this first Jennifer Rubin tweet is that she, what she's done as refashioned herself, is not a sort of columnist who's talking about uh politics writ large and policy and all of that stuff she's now an elections expert
5: okay she she is an elections expert she's now
3: she's now an election you think expert.
5: jennifer rubin's ever read a crosstab in her whole life <laughs>
3: no, no no but she wrote an entire column uh about like put away your crystal balls in 2022 because mm-hmm. she's you know the, all everybody's Predicting the red wave, which the, the program talked about months ago. Right. Uh, she's saying that's not the case, right? But she's now, in addition to that, providing the roadmap for Democrats on how they win.
5: Oh, she's going to be the general consultant. Yeah. In, in, you
3: know. This is, this is how you win. You guys ready for this? First, get the Build Back Better passed quickly as an anti-inflation pro-worker. What? tax the cheats bill. What? <laughs> and until Democrats do talk only about the very popular infrastructure bill.
4: <laughs> so here's the thing is, I think it's an absolute abdication to not try to, to try to fight fire with fire. Oh. Like, I rolled on. This her, is the sidebar. This is an rolled, objection to the judge and jury. I rolled on Jen Rubin's own territory. Oh, I, right. saw, I brought the cat lady. I saw a and pathway he can't fire for. Her back. I saw. He can't fire no, no,
3: no! I saw a pathway towards a victory in a very difficult opponent. I mean, it's, it's like a it's
4: microwave like, Jen Seki tweet. We discussed that ten minutes I ago. I know it's that this open.
3: lady throws left bombs, right? right? And so what? I a quick right jab.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, From and Ruben, I, you expect more than just copy-pasting, Jen. No, that is Come not. This, this is, is not Jen Ruben, not Jen Sackey. An
3: anti-inflation, just like Psaki said. Let me just remind you: this is a two-trillion-dollar bill flooding our economy with more inflationary money. Pro-worker, I don't know how she comes up with that. I honestly don't. And then tax the cheats. Recall that this is a bill that includes <laughs> well, then, salt right. deductions. So,
5: so, for our listeners, this bill will include probably a windfall for millionaires in blue states who own McMansions. Tens of thousands of dollars. It's actually the largest single line item in the bill. <laughs> like not not like Green New Deal. Right? Right, right? Like like not child tax credit. Giving a windfall to people who own McMansions in blue states by being able to subsidize off their tax bill the fact that they elect democrats locally to tax the hell out of them
3: right right it's gonna be this is the anti-tax anti-tax cheap bill i mean i don't even
5: <laughs> it's that it's incredible it, it, it's it's good it's good i think smug's point though on it being Saki esque is true i mean it's not the best Jen rubin i think ultimately and this is my own bias the misuse of the internet. I, I can't. I cannot
3: it. get over it. I knew when I heard it. I knew it's.
5: It. It's. It's what. It's. If it was just cat content, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it would be one thing. And that's the thing is. But the quote tweeting of the cat content, thinking that your followers need to again see this. It's like bumping it up, you know, to make sure everyone sees your cat content is a misuse of the internet. And for that reason. Smug wins round
4: one. And, and the other thing I consider on that is that at this point, you know, after so much King of the Hill, we bring top tier stuff. You know, our judge and jury has an extremely sophisticated palette. Like this guy is only getting three star, you know, three Michelin star takes. So it has to have like different layers. I've been, spo- look, I, I look, look. I don't it's think I, have layers.
5: I, I, I think I'm okay at doing the job of judge and jury. I've, I've been provided such incredible content from you guys over the course of us doing this podcast, that yeah, I, I'm
3: a little picky. I'm yeah, a little picky. Got to bring a little.
5: Yeah.
3: All right, let me just throw this one at you because I think this is gonna this is gonna resonate with the judge and jury. I actually think if Smug was the judge and jury, this is this would be an impossible one to beat.
5: Okay. Well, I mean, you got to bring your heat. Yeah. Yeah.
3: She wrote a column entitled how Beto O'Rourke might win red red state Texas. This is a new column.
5: (laughs) Not the last time when he ran for Senate and lost.
3: (laughs) This is Beto. This is the Beto that we all know and love, right? This is what she's saying. By stressing unity, shared purpose, and pride in Texas's past, O'Rourke can reassure voters that the future he envisions is not alien or scary but rather a rejection of extremism, hate, and contrived memes and Big Brother intrusion.
5: Even Does she know, you know, you know, Democrats are losing by 10 points on the generic ballot. It's probably like 35 in Texas. Right. In the generic, like national generic ballot, they're down 10 points. And you think he's going to win in a wave election coming the other direction. And you're gonna win it in Texas, but by my fate, my like, f- like, like like the shamelessness of writing this article is incredible.
3: But the, the article itself is incredible, and it should you all should check it out. It's amazing. But here, what what gets me, and can I can I get some West Wing? Can I get can I because I, here here's what get she rarely goes this direction, which is why I selected this, and I I just I view it as as just an added little push. O'Rourke can reassure voters that the future he envisions is not alien or scary, but a rather rejection of our extremism, hate, (laughs) contrived memes, and Big Brother intrusion.
5: Uh, I can see President Bartlett strolling in and
3: saying that monologue. It's a new thing for Ruben. She doesn't do the West Wing thing. That's a Max Boot thing. It's yeah. a crystal thing. It's a Dowd it's a thing. Dowd thing. She rarely goes in there and she used West Wing to
4: go for Beto. Honestly, it's it's weak. Like You think it's weak. Backing Beto is so old. It's such an old lib move. How many times have we seen this microwave? They've run for how many seats at this point in Texas? And Jen Rubin's like, hey, here's my take on Beto. What I am going to bring you is is what should be Rubens Wheelhouse. This is this is brainworms on multiple levels. This is Sherry Jacobus on November 16th at 12:33 retweeting herself. Now, hold she, on, she's
5: retweeting herself again. Oh no,
4: yes. god no, no, no. damn it. <laughs> here's what here's what she originally tweeted. To be honest, if the view really wanted quote fire and someone the female daytime audience would love to hate, they should hire Megan Kelly. Slim, beautiful, smart, and now an angry conservative. A total threat. So she starts getting owned on that tweet, right? People okay. are like, this is an awful tweet.
5: This is the quote tweet or, or that was the original
4: tweet? That's the original tweet. Okay. She quote retweets it with, the angry comments illustrate my point perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting owned, so I got to double down. <laughs> I love it
5: so much. It's That, that is great. I, I, All right. I got to say, I agree with her. Megan Kelly would be fantastic on The View. Yeah, honestly. She's one of the smartest people in this business. Totally agree. Like, oh, my gosh. But it is hilarious that you have to quote tweet yourself. She's saying, like, folks, I
4: need more <laughs> likes. The ratio's not looking I feel good. Like the
3: que- I feel like the question for the... This is a precedent-setting question for the judge and jury, which is, can you award a victory... On the same precedent of misuse of the internet twice, but it wasn't
4: well, the other had had the whole like cat content fighting on Jen Rubin's own turf. That was the thrust. Yeah, but of he it. awarded it is, on is, the is, basis.
3: Is, it, it, the, the decision was rendered on the basis of misuse. You,
5: that is correct. Well, this isn't the same sort of misuse. So, uh, if you ever follow Drill yeah, on Twitter on yeah. we, weird weird Twitter is mm-hmm. an interesting place. Drill has this. Great tweet that obviously gets like repurposed a lot where it's basically like, who is yelling for me to log off? I will never log off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's basically what she's doing in the quote tweet, right? Where it's like, I'm not, I'm gonna dig in on my take.
4: And, and and the level of like sincere care where she's like, I gotta get more likes on the original tweet because I'm getting ratioed to hell. Yeah, right. It's just like, oh man, right. you're just way too online, Sherry.
5: <sighs> I just don't think I can overlook the fact that Jen Rubin is such a loyal soldier in she the what the take the take that she has for Beto O'Rourke is a take that everybody had when he ran for Senate the take when he ran for president but she's like the last Japanese soldier (laughs) on the island who doesn't know the war's over (laughs) and she's still making the argument that he can win in Texas and Uh. I think that is what makes it unique, and the reason why Holmes wins round two.
3: Okay, we're taking it to a third. We can appreciate to... that.
4: That's a great, metaphor. Was, great
3: metaphor. It was, it was, it was it, the last Japanese soldiers. <laughs> <It's> great
4: metaphor. <laughs> 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 so now I have, I have no choice but the, you know, thermonuclear take. So you're holding one back. I mean, they're all thermonuclear. <laughs> but like the only option. This isn't about content. This isn't about misuse of internet. This is just plain old. I
5: got to say, before we start round three, the announcer here. Was not joking, that this is a battle of titans. It's Clash of the Titans. It this
4: is. is an incredible game of, this, of King of this the is, Hill. This is this is Ali Frazier. Yeah, round three. So this is 5:39 p.m. Cocktail hour, November 14th, 2021. <laughs> Sherry Jacobus, quote retweeting Don Winslow, another one of these like left wing, you know, brainworm folks. Uh, Don Winslow is basically discussing the whole Kamala drama. Of, uh, I'm not going to post the story CNN just did on VP Kamala Harris and hope you don't, but it went out to millions of CNN's followers and its terrible design could not be more clear. All caps, CNN is attacking Kamala Harris on the day they are running a pro Chris Christie documentary. And Sherry takes that take, which is already nutty, and says... I've been telling y'all what a Trumper CNN's Jeff Zucker is for quite some time. You should really listen to me.
5: Hold on. She's saying that (laughs) CNN is a Republican (laughs) outfit. CNN
4: is a complete pro-Trump outfit bought and paid for. (laughs) That's pretty good. I mean, we got to be honest, folks. pretty good. I've never thought of a station as pro-Trump as CNN. That's the Jacobus take. That's no one in the business can beat this. That's an amazing
3: take. It's an amazing take. What I'm going to unveil, I saved my best for last. I, no. I took yes, I took the risk. Wow. I took the risk. I saved my best for last. This is new thinking. This, this isn't this isn't warmed over. You've not heard this before. Really? You haven't. Well I mean, what we just heard from Smug, That's I've never, heard, I've never no heard that have No one before. has ever been like No, CNN no, no, but I'm talking about Wade Rubin, which Trump. is like, you know, the criti- critique is it's like an establishment dem repurpose as a Republican. Right. This is new thinking. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> she's talking about a, a column uh, that she's she's written, just nonsense, all of them are. But what she says is, as essential as the short and Intermediate term reforms may be a more fundamental threat looms. This entails confronting the white evangelical crusade to prioritize white power and Christian ideology over
4: democracy. What? <laughs> I mean, that's the standard of CRT. No, that's I mean, hold there, on. There's nothing standard about There are, there are about public that. schools that have that there, curriculum. There is nothing standard.
5: Let me read that fucking last well, sentence. Hold on, again. hold on. Before you do, what is what is the what is the wind up to this? Like, what, what? How does she get to that?
3: So the the column is something that she's written entitled "A Sobering New Report Shows How Much Work Is Needed to Protect Democracy." Okay. Right. Her interpretation. Of protecting democracy is singling out confronting white evangelical crusade. I mean, we all know what we're talking about when she says crusade. You don't use that word lightly. Right. Right? To prioritize white power and Christian ideology over democracy. She is accusing every evangelical in this country. Of not only being a white supremacist, but also being an anti-American. A fascist. A fascist. Yeah. Essentially somebody who's seeking to destroy this country. Right. That is a broad group of people. If right.
4: you're if you're a kindergartner at like Loudoun County, this is like what you're taught. This is not a hot take. <laughs> oh no, that's this hot. Is why Yunkin won. This is this is hotter than hot. This
5: is why Yunkin won.
4: This I mean, you know, it's just like a standard if you're a kindergarten kid, you get takes like this on a daily in a public school. Meanwhile, I mean, Sherry Jacobus is out here being like CNN, one hundred percent pro-Trump front. Let's be serious, folks. And I love how she closes with, "You really should listen to me." Like the desperation of brainworms, just like coming out of her ears. So I think her mind. I, 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 I think
5: the backstory on that though is she got she, fired from CNN, right? She got fired from CNN. Yeah,
4: and not only that, she didn't get hired by the Trump campaign. There are so many right. levels. There are levels. There are layers
5: to this. Case. There are layers like an onion to 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 her whole psychological
4: damage here. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot to be said about Sherry, but I, but I. I mean, the fascinating thing is, this is someone who tried to work for the Trump campaign, didn't get picked initially, lost it. Tried to, I mean. How difficult is it really to be a Republican to say, actually, Trump is bad, and get a gig on cable news, and she still couldn't land that, and now it's just rage. Just pure rage and brainworm takes. CNN is Republican. And this is what we see. is Jeff Zucker, I, I warned y'all, runs a very pro-Trump network. <laughs> now, Please listen to me. <laughs> I, I want to make sure the
3: entire context is understood. When she says essential short and intermediate term reforms, as Are she talking they be. like HR one? Yes. What, she, what, what she's talking? talking about is like the the, the voting bills that right. Democrats put up to try to rig the elections. That's what she's a greater threat than that. White evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because they prioritize white power. Actually,
4: you know, according to this legislation, HR one, like how boring a take can you have?
3: No, white power and Christian ideology. We're talking about millions, millions of people, millions. It's a broad brush. I take that. uh, Oh,
4: actually, religious white people are bad. Like every left wing cable news station, which is basically they say every cable news station. That's their take. I feel like this is the most. This is one of the craziest
3: takes I've ever read on this show.
5: It is. It is crazy. CNN as a Republican <laughs> station but isn't is she crazy. Level. But
4: isn't she just act grinding an ax? I mean, yeah, because, but she's no, doing but it on Twitter. That's the beauty of it. It's like, you know, Joker. Like the origin story of Joker. Like, why does he hate Batman? You know? How did he lose his mind? Okay. And it's beautiful to see you've got the Joker origin story. What got Sherry Jacoba's Joker fight? What do we got? What do we
3: got?
5: <sighs> I mean, this is tough. This is a battle of absolute titans. I think at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, what what Holmes has provided is is incredible. But there is no person other than Sherry who can say that CNN is a Republican. Yeah, no one's got cable news outfit.
4: No one's got that.
5: And for that reason, oh, she is still a, our champion. Son of a
4: bitch. I mean, listen, I mean, that was a, a hard fought win. I think, I, I don't know. And want, it was,
5: dude, it was nuclear. It, like, it was what, tough. Like, we what, went, it was fire with fire. What Holmes brought was absolutely incredible. I think, though, that we have to go ringside for Ashbrook to break down the fight.
0: Judge, I spoke with a source from Phoenix, one of our sports most celebrated analysts who tweets at the handle at. He, he says he thinks Jacobus is beatable, just like any other King of the Hill competitor. Smug just chose the absolute perfect time to play her. Crystal took a round from her last week and it was close with Smug really selling the fact that she was so crazy. Today you saw another close fight against Ruben. But our expert emphasizes that Holmes really can build a narrative around a tweet and maintains the view that if anybody is capable of finding the talent necessary to take out Kami Cherry... It's him.
4: Yeah, I mean that's expert now. That's
5: good. That that is. That's great color commentary that's right
0: there. We've
4: got comment. the best listeners. We do. Uh, and it's for that reason, honestly, I'm we bring them this interview.
3: That's right. Let's go. I want to welcome to the program somebody we've been pining for actually to come on the program. It's uh and somebody who's involved in a, in an area where basically no other member of Congress is or understands, which is, which is uh, cryptocurrency but also just a, a whale of a senator. Senator Cynthia Lummis, how are you?
2: I'm great, Josh. How are you?
3: Oh, just terrific. Just terrific. So good to have you.
2: Thank you. I'm looking at your sign and it says Ruth and Les. And so I assumed when I got on, one of you was Ruth and, and the other Les. But now I know it's, it's Josh and Smug. There
3: yeah. you go.
4: But you can, you know, you can call smug Ruth if you want. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I've been really looking forward to this one because like Josh got into, you've been truly a pioneer in trying to bring uh, bring, like fair-minded legislation because right now, you know, what we're looking at in terms of this administration's attitude towards innovation, uh, it's it's, like all their bills pretty much, pretty terrible. So great to have you on. I've been looking forward to this interview.
3: Yeah. Thank you. So, uh. Let's just dive right in. Actually, before we get into the crypto discussion, which is a little heavy, I, uh, I had some friends who went to a wedding, uh, I guess, last weekend, and there were a bunch of Marylanders who showed up in cowboy hats. And I feel like somebody from Wyoming who you're the real cowboys out there. Um, do you have like some sort of a, a uh, you got to look down on that, right?
2: Well, we talk about some people who are all hat and no cowboy. And chances are some of those Marylanders who showed up might have been all hat and maybe a little no cowboy.
3: I feel like I feel like, you know, cowboys out in Wyoming. Um, All right, let's get it. Let's get into it. So here's the thing. I think most of us, even those of us who try to. uh, at least associate ourselves with some understanding of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and the like, have, a, have trouble following it. And I'm wondering if you can give us just kind of a 101 on cryptocurrency and, and why you think it's important. And then we can talk a little bit about whether the federal government has any role here.
2: Well, great. What, what got me interested in this subject is my concern about uh, the debt and the deficit. Uh, the fact that we are uh, debasing the value of the U.S. dollar by printing too much of it. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, looking for something that will hold its value into the future uh, for when people are ready to retire or pay medical bills when they're older, um, it, it's nice to know that there's some things out there that are going to hold their value even if the U.S. dollar won't. Yeah, that is certainly the case with Bitcoin.
3: Yeah, so so explain that to me because because the whole blockchain, you know, I mean, it gets pretty esoteric and difficult for a lot of us to understand. Who just like you know put a buck in a vending machine and that's just the way that we've operated for our entire lives. Explain to us why it is that your view is that this holds value over time.
2: Well, uh, there will only be twenty one million Bitcoin ever mined. And scarcity creates value. Uh, In addition, as the time goes by, more of that Bitcoin will be mined. uh, And at some point, it will all be produced. It will be a finite resource. But Bitcoin is infinitely divisible. Mm. uh, And so if today I wanted to buy $10 worth of Bitcoin, I could. Uh, And someday... Uh, If I wanted to spend $10 worth of Bitcoin, I could. Um, It is hard money. It is digital gold. Even the chairman of the Federal Reserve has referred to it as digital gold. There's a difference between hard money and easy money. Mm -hmm. Easy money is the kind of thing that uh, the United States is printing now. Um, It's saying we want to spend more money. We want to spend more money then we want to collect taxes. So we're going to do that. And when we do that, uh, the US dollar loses its buying power. Uh, It is debased. That can't happen with Bitcoin because there will only be 21 million ever mined. So that scarcity uh, creates value. Uh, And over time, you know, what is valuable has changed. You know, once upon a time, it was, Shells, and then when there were so many shells in circulation, uh, that became less important. The Probably the most uh, consistent hard money asset is gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is it truly is digital gold. It is mined the through a mathematical equation and algorithm that is solved. That proof is solved and put on a blockchain. A blockchain is like a train Mm -hmm. uh, that has um, uh, cars that hold uh, storage pods. So the Lightning Network, which lays on top of the blockchain, allows you to take a pod off, Mm -hmm. transact business all day long, buy and sell, then put the pod or storage unit back on the train. The train is always hooked together And what is in that pod can never be changed. And that's because uh, it is a fully distributed blockchain, meaning that if you were to get into a computer and attempt to alter uh, the blockchain, there are thousands of computers out there that have the entire blockchain loaded on it as well. So if somebody knocks out one unit, Every single unit all over the world has the entire inviolate blockchain on it. So it is preserved unless you can knock out every single computer that is a node that exists in the world. So uh, it is uh, the closest thing to uh, digital gold that we'll ever have. Hmm. And I believe it will hold its value.
4: It's And I think that's a really great way for people to understand it and also the value that you have with this is a comparison to gold, you know, both in in the in the sense metaphorically if it is mined, you know, with computers doing the algorithm to solve it to get some Bitcoin, but also, you know, the added value in terms of how it can be used for a transaction. Like if you want to buy a t-shirt online for 20 bucks and use Bitcoin, you can do that. But like, you know, how are you going to shave a flake off of a gold nugget to pay for $10 (laughs) and and use it online? So it is tremendous value in that way.
3: Yeah, so do you see,
4: yeah. this, do you, Senator, do you see this as
3: something that is only a matter of time before it is a, a broad usage, before it is is something that, you know, you can go down to a grocery store or you can, you know, basically have any kind of commerce transaction over the internet with?
2: I do see that as an ultimate outcome because if you think about it, we're transacting digitally all the time. We just call it a credit card uh, and eventually you sell your credit card uh, with US dollars if you're here or euros if you're in Europe, you can use your same credit card in Europe as here and the settlement between the currencies occurs uh, behind the scenes in, in the backroom functions. Uh, So that will be the case with Bitcoin as well and and other digital currencies. Yeah,
3: let me talk to you about that for a second, because the the one thing that's confusing to me is that you get um, so many different digital currencies that pop up. And it's hard to tell as a consumer, you know, what's real and what's not. Dogecoin, obviously, Elon Musk made very popular. There there are many, many others. Uh, How much of this is just sort of Wild west? That you know, ultimately, can consumers have confidence in?
2: Well, about 60 percent of the um, value associated with digital currencies uh, is bottled up into two of them, and that's Bitcoin and ether. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are hundreds, maybe thousands of others that constitute the remainder of the value. Now, my personal opinion is a lot of those thousand others, including Dogecoins, uh, are scams. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so your
3: your view that like like Dogecoin itself is just it it's not anywhere near the credibility that we're talking about with like a Bitcoin or everything else.
2: Correct, nowhere near. Right. Um, so, its value is created by enthusiasm uh, that people have. Um, uh, some sort of uh, short-term, mm-hmm, easy mm-hmm. money uh, approach to Dogecoin uh, that will produce some short-term gains. gains. But once again, I view the Dogecoin as uh, easy money, uh, flash-in-the-pan money, whereas I see uh, the algorithms, the approach, the white paper through which uh, Bitcoin was created, uh, as uh, hard money.
3: Um, oh, that's so interesting. So, so in some ways, like the Doge coins of the world and, and things like that, operate in your view very similarly to what we've seen in the market with like a GameStop or an AMC or something that becomes more like a meme
4: oh, asset than yeah. The,
3: the hard it becomes asset. becomes super wildly popular because a you know someone of of magnitude has a huge following and begins to get on this and people kind of trend towards it, but ultimately the underlying fundamentals of value aren't there.
2: Absolutely right, Josh. You've absolutely got it.
3: Interesting. Well, I mean, look, that, that clears up an awful lot. I, I think one of the questions naturally that, that somebody like me has, who's looking at this from the perspective of you know, a new currency entirely, um, what if any federal government or, or you know, any sort of international government role is there to play in the regulation? of? I mean, God knows the U.S. dollar has got a lot of oversight, right? So so what, what if any federal oversight is necessary here?
2: Well, I don't think there's much oversight if you're someone like me, who is what's called a ho- hodler, uh, where right. I buy and I just sit on it and I don't <laughs> transact in it. I'm saving it for a rainy day. So that doesn't require a whole lot of oversight. But a lot of people want to use Uh, more uh, uh, approaches to it. Some people want to borrow against it. Some people want to lend it. Some people want to buy with it. Some people want to have futures contracts with it, derivatives contracts with it. And so all of a sudden you're applying what we commonly know as money or legal tender. We're applying those concepts uh, to things like uh, Bitcoin. And when we do that, there should be uh, some consumer protections, yeah. uh, some recognition that those are not uh, fully collateralized or backed um, uh, creations or transactions. And so there there is a role here for the government. So what we've been trying to do in my office is create a regulatory sandbox where there are the, there's understood rules of the road. But they are very minimal or light-touch rules, so people can understand them, but still innovate. And finding that sweet spot is the challenge we're in now. Now, It's the
3: challenge challenge for everything, right? I mean, that's that's the key. Anytime the federal government touches anything, it's a disaster, generally speaking. And, And I imagine in a highly innovative place where there's literally one senator who knows what they're talking about on this issue, it becomes challenging.
2: Well, and then there, there aren't just cryptocurrencies. There are like stable coins. Right. Mm-hmm. There are, in some countries, central bank digital currencies. And the United States is kicking around the idea of whether to have a digital dollar, which would be drawn against uh, the Fed, whereas a stable coin is drawn on a commercial bank. So these are also other uh, types of uh, transaction mechanisms that we need to establish some uh, consumer protection parameters, some guards against systemic risk, and some of the other concerns that we have with any uh, currency or means of transaction. Uh, So we're going to try to put put together a fairly comprehensive uh, package that addresses all of those things and then talks about how you slice up uh, the uh, regulators. Because some of these things will be regulated by the SEC. Some will be regulated by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Uh, And then the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency may be involved. The Federal Reserve is involved in some instances. So um, we want to try to clarify some of the regulatory uh, base touches uh, that people who are uh, propounding these various mechanisms are, are going to need to use.
4: And, and, and that's a perfect segue into one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I think this is a very important uh, uh, push that you're making right now in terms of legislation that's trying to, uh, can you explain to us, define what a broker would be because that would ah. be almost like an onerous kind of legislative move if this were allowed to go through and you've been trying to help, you know, uh, folks not have to deal with more of a legislative burden?
2: Well, one of the fascinating things that sort of broke a logjam around here in the U.S. uh, Senate and over in the House as well uh, was during the infrastructure bill debate we had last summer, uh, the Treasury Department had offered up uh, language that defined broker in this space, to include people that normally would not be considered brokers, Mm -hmm. uh, people that uh, validate algorithms, uh, people who produce hardware and software, but they don't know who the ultimate customer is. Uh, Miners who also uh, mine uh, Bitcoin, for example, but don't know who the ultimate customer Mm -hmm. is. So people that were be included in the definition of broker that was proposed That would never know uh, the information that the Treasury hoped to gain from them.
3: So, so just in in layman's
4: term, because we are a horse fighting podcast largely, uh, and so our (laughs) it'd almost be like considering you know a mom and pop someone just like mining Bitcoin at their home as Goldman Sachs, like the same kind of legislative burden of being like, oh, you mine Bitcoin, you're the same as. One of these bank broker dealers. So, but, but, but like
3: It'd even certainly
2: my be un- onerous reporting requirements on people who have nothing to report.
3: Yeah. So, so, I mean, from my understanding, we were talking about people who like provide the software, right? Or provide the access in some ways. And all of a sudden that now they are required to file as a broker.
2: Exactly. So, if you uh, created hardware or software that was used, for example, by Goldman Sachs, as you mentioned, um, They buy it from you. They buy hardware or software from you. Uh, You, as the creator of that hardware and software, don't know who their customers are. Right, right. Well, that was what the problem was with this definition of broker. And I think it indicated a misunderstanding on people over at Treasury uh, about how digital assets work. So uh, we asked people who uh, have digital assets or are knowledgeable about them to can talk to contact their senators. And they did. And yeah. all over the US, <laughs> Senate, people found out that this is a fairly significant part of their state's economy. Interesting. People who, who are involved in these assets, who care about them, who are knowledgeable about them. And so they began to learn. Uh, and I think it created a great dialogue between those of uh, in the states, people, constituents, voters who know about these assets and the people who represent them who don't know about these assets. And that dialogue has continued. So really that whole uh, discussion of broker, even though it didn't end well in terms of the language that is now in the law, um, we can fix the law, but it created, uh, the silver lining was it created this fabulous dialogue between digital asset experts and those of us who are making laws who are not digital asset experts.
3: Well, I, I mean, look, I thought I personally found it very useful, right? Because this is a conversation that is, as I said, very esoteric and, and difficult for me to, to conceptualize in a lot of ways. But I know it's important. The amount of value and investment that's gone into cryptocurrency is significant enough where you'd be an idiot to, to completely ignore it. So, so let me ask you this as it sort of relates to the current policy that you all are <laughs> unfortunately having to deal with in the United States Senate and the Congress right now with the Biden administration. Do you feel like the overwhelming amount of spending that's been proposed and is now on the docket, do you feel like that may increase the case for cryptocurrency given the inflation concerns, the weakening of the dollar, the, ba- the basic... Uh, just inflationary uh, uh, results that we've seen across the entire entire economy, does that increase the case for something like Bitcoin or or cryptocurrency in general?
2: Josh, in my mind, it absolutely does. For me, it makes the case for Bitcoin and other uh, Ether and probably some other uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, This is hard money. The U.S. is printing easy money. Easy money is going to lose its value. Hard money is not going to lose its value. At some point, we will have printed too many U.S. dollars. They're not going to be worth as much as they are today. That's not the case with Bitcoin. There will only be 21 million ever produced. I believe their value is going to go up, and I believe it's going to hold its value. Yes, it's going to fluctuate, but I think it's going to fluctuate on an upward trend line uh, as the U.S. dollar does not.
4: And also, you know, I'd like to give you credit for all the listeners out there. You know, Senator Lummis is not new to this subject at all. One of the key points I I researched is you purchased Bitcoin in 2013 at 330, (laughs) and today it's about $60,000. So I'd certainly say that's outperformed the dollar.
2: (laughs) Well, and of course, at the time, uh, it was fairly new and novel. Uh, and so uh, I, I bought three of them, and one in 2013 and two in 2014, and then just held on to them. So I had about $1,000 worth of skin in the game for those three. And it gave me enough skin in the game to want to learn more and to feel like if I lost that money, uh, it would be an interesting experiment and I'd be mad at myself, but um, it gave me Uh, an opportunity to learn about something new and novel. What I have found is not only do I have a lot of confidence in uh, Bitcoin as digital gold and that it is hard money, uh, but I also have confidence that the blockchain itself, uh, which essentially was created to hold Bitcoin, but the blockchain itself has value that is going to be in at some point in time, equivalent to the internet itself. In other words, the applications of the blockchain are going to be enormous in our lives and on our society and in our economy. Hmm. Um, There are, for example, people that have come into my office to explain that uh, stable coins can be used to transfer money at essentially no cost or uh, a 20th of a cent, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you're sending 10 cents or uh, $10,000, same As cost. Opposed
4: to like Western Union or something, you could just transact in- instantly.
2: And, and right now, the um, transaction costs and banking costs really amount to about 7% of our GDP. If you wow. add up the cost of people having banks, financial brokers, transfer fees, credit card fees, and everything involved in um, uh, checkbooks, everything that has to do with our financial system is about 7% uh, of what people spend. This will drop that number dramatically. It wow. will literally change the way that, uh, and, and it'll be faster. Uh, right now, as you know, a settlement can occur. If you give, send somebody money today, it, they're not going to get it today. They're not going to be able to spend it today. Uh, the day will come with these assets when they can spend it today, the money you send them. So it will increase the speed and it will lower the cost.
4: Also, so you were an early adopter with Bitcoin. Have you been an early adopter of NFTs? Do you own any of these non-fungible tokens at all?
2: I do not.
4: So, so for folks at home, it's no. a mystery to me too. Senator. Yeah. I, I look at this stuff <laughs> and I'm like cross-eyed. I, I don't get it, but Smug seems to have some understanding. I mean, I I, I, I still could use a bit more of an education. To me, <laughs> they strike me as like a JPEG, but, you know, they're also on the blockchain. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the value that they can provide in, in the metaverse and such like that. So it's I have to do my research. Yeah. Yeah,
3: for and sure.
2: Just since I arrived in the U.S. Senate, this space has grown and the innovation has occurred so much faster than I can keep up with it yeah. that- uh, it, it presents a challenge to policymakers. So we have everybody in the U.S. Senate who will say to me, hey, Bitcoin lady, mm-hmm. what is Bitcoin? <laughs> and they do, I, some people call, I've been called that, um, how do I buy a Bitcoin? Uh, what would I do with it? And what does it look like? So there's there's senators who are at that level. And then people come into my office that are talking about assets and capabilities and the potential of the blockchain that I can't even comprehend. Yeah, so here yeah. I am kind of in the middle of that, trying to figure out how can, how can we create a statutory and regulatory sandbox that allows for innovation but that puts sidebars and parameters so people understand what the requirements are of them. What will the federal government expect of them if they wanna innovate in this space, if they want to create uh, value transactional uh, protections, uh, make sure that it's not used for money laundering. Uh, it, it, it is, uh, it's a fascinating place to be at this time but the responsibility to get it right uh, it weighs heavily on us. So, yeah,
4: well, uh, I mean, I'm grateful just to have someone in the Senate with like the intellectual curiosity to understand this stuff and, and maintain the freedom and innovation for individuals in this economy. It's great.
3: A hundred percent. And listen, if I have one piece of advice to you, Senator, it's hold on to this space like you are, you are like it's the last piece of bread on earth because it, I know for a fact once a Democrat figure this, figures this out, they're going to figure out how to try to tax it, strip it of its value, mm-hmm. and, and and turn it into another chaotic inflationary uh, uh, tool that we've used with everything else. But I, listen, I got to turn the page because I got three big questions for you. Shoot. This is, this is This is the stuff here. This is what everybody <laughs> listens to. All right? Yeah. So they got a briefing on crypto, but this is how we know who Senator Cynthia Lummis is? okay? First question, if you can plan your last meal on earth, what would (laughs) it be?
2: Uh, Well, I would have uh, beef tenderloins
3: because I'm a
2: rancher, so I'm a red meat girl. I'm kind of a crypto person. So I'd probably have uh, some sort of a salad uh, and uh, probably some berries for dessert. I find that blueberries from Northern Maine have twice the antioxidants and they taste great. And I throw in a few
4: Instead of this, I mean the smartest I, person in the Senate possibly. I mean, seriously, you've
3: got <laughs> the you got the antioxidants now. I mean, this is incredible. Okay. Well, that's I they're mean, gonna do
2: me so much good if it's my last meal on earth.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, you can slide in <laughs> sideways, right? So, like you, the dirt the dessert, you can go brownie Sunday if you want. But you know, I get I get I get health conscious till the end. All right. So um, the second question, I'm interested in this for you because you are such an intellectually curious person. If you never got into public service at all in any way, what do you think you'd be doing with your life?
2: Well, if there had been a medical school in Wyoming, uh, I would have wanted to study the brain. I -hmm. took a lot of physiology. I was an animal science and biology major, so I and I was always fascinated by the brain. That would be one thing. I really like ranching because I love to be around cows. So that's a possibility. Uh, And uh, uh, but but to me, place was the important thing. I wanted to find something that I could do in Wyoming because I am absolutely in love with my state and uh, have been since I was a little kid. Um, So I was always going to find something that I could do as long as it would allow me to stay in Wyoming.
3: Well, you you certainly figured it out. You represent the whole darn thing. <laughs> that's That's awesome. That's a great answer. All right, so so here's question 3. This one is a little bit large, like a global what makes you tick question. Okay. And in the question is what motivates you more, senator, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And let me just explain it for a minute. The thrill of victory is like the glass half full, charging up the mountain, you know, the happy warrior kind of person. Mm-hmm. The agony of defeat person is like a Michael Jordan figure, right? Somebody who wakes up every day agonized by the the, the possibility that somebody could overtake them and they're angry about it. Where Where do you find yourself on that spectrum?
2: You know, I'm the girl in the middle. I love the ride. (laughs) <laughs> it's, about, it's about the ride. I'm, I'm more of a glass half full person. I, ha, uh, I have that. So I'm, I'm probably on the front end of that ride. But it's the ride in the middle that makes it all worth it.
3: As Miley Cyrus said, it's the climb. There you go.
2: <laughs> the first time I've ever been compared to Miley Cyrus. <laughs> and I hope it's the last, by the way.
3: <laughs> I love it. Listen, you are an absolute pleasure. I, I can't tell you what a education that we just received. I, I, it's been a long time coming because this is a an area that I know is important. And I just didn't quite get it uh, until you explained it to us. Senator Cynthia Lummis, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Bye.
3: So here's the thing. Um, I didn't know uh, Cynthia Lummis before this interview. I was just blown away by how smart she is. I mean, she, she knows everything there is to know about crypto, about Bitcoin. She taught us a lot. I really enjoyed it. I
4: mean, I loved it. I learned a lot. I had a great time. That's all you can ask for from the Variety program, folks. We got candy. We got vegetables. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.